Good afternoon. Welcome to this week's edition of Navara FM. I'm Aaron Bastani, at Aaron Bastani on Twitter. And as is so often the case, I'm joined by James Butler at PS Penniless. Hi, James. Hi. This week we are talking about what else, Syriza. Um, we decided against the show on this topic last week as it was so close to the results of the election that uh, we thought we'd leave it, what, 10 days? To see how things are working out so that we could offer some initial thoughts but on something actually worth talking about, which is such a rarity when one thinks about the kinds of articles one's seen regarding Syriza in the last couple of days. Right, so what are we going to do? We're going to try and situate Syriza's victory in the last week and a bit within a broader Navarra-esque framework, big picture thinking, which more broadly asks what can elected leftist governments actually achieve, who holds power in Greece, and what are the longer-term um, longer ambitions of Syriza beyond firefighting and dealing with, as Yanis Varoufakis calls it, the humanitarian crisis which the Troika has inflicted on the country so as to run budget surpluses. So, James... I suppose, first question I would ask, you can choose whether to answer it or not, but it's the key question, isn't it? Um, what can Syriza actually do in Greece? What role can they really actively... I mean, what, what are the limits? What, what's the general uh, framework of possibility here, do you think? Yeah, well, th I mean, that's uh, not a terribly easy question to answer because, um, I mean, in a lot of ways, this is going to depend on, uh, on the kind of games of, of brinksmanship that they're going to be playing or are playing. Uh, with the European Central Bank at the moment, it's, uh, I mean, I, attempting to, to fathom uh, what the ECB thinks it's doing in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the conditions it's setting, in terms of uh, the ability or, or the form in which Greek repayments of debt can take. Um, and whether uh, whether bonds can be used as collateral and things like that. What, what the ECB thinks it's doing is is, is beyond me. It's actually mm. qu quite hard to fathom. And, and um, certainly, many of uh, the the, um, the the shrewder uh, bourgeois economics and economics commentators um, are well aware of uh, how dangerous for for um, for, for for them. Uh, sort of, uh, sort of brinksmanship in in that sense can be. So, so I guess I mean one of the one of the things I, I think that you know the uh, I'm trying to think the, the best way to frame this because you know when talking about Syriza's let's let's I guess start with the wrong kind of critique, mm -hmm. which is an interesting way into this. The wrong kind of critique is 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 the sort of standard one from from the anarchist left, I think, um, which is to say that ah oh, you know the the uh, you know, uh, Syriza have gotten elected, and therefore, you know, they are they are necessarily corrupt and awful and and wrong, and they've they've had to go into a coalition with with Anel. Um, and, they're going to sell out. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they, they're participating in an election. And, um, uh, Sartre called you know elections uh, a piège à con, uh, you know, a, a trap for uh, for for idiots, for fools, mm. uh, and and in that, you know. I'm, it's well known. I largely agree with that position, but but the, I mean the the point here is you know it, the critique in its own terms is 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 far better, right? Like it's it's you know Syriza were always going to try and win the election. That's what Syriza is for. Mm. Uh, so so to say, ah, Syriza has has well not won, but but certainly uh, uh, dominated or or, or or gained the largest share uh, of the vote uh, in in the last election. That that is that is to say, Syriza by its own terms has done what it wants to do. Now. Some of the, you know, so the, this coalition with with Arnel, yes, it doesn't. I don't think it, it is, a, you know, a great choice. I, I think it is probably the only possible choice. Mm. Um, 
that 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 much is clear in terms of you know the, what Syriza would have been able to do in terms of a coalition with Dimar um, or, or or whatever else. So so that I mean you know and obviously the KKE has no interest in, in entering a coalition. Mm. Uh, you know it's kind of very strained. I mean it, it, again in terms of the, the KKE, which is the Greek Communist Party, uh, their their desire not to enter a coalition with Syriza is, is based in a sort of uh, third period Stalinist kind of rhetoric. Certainly, I think their politics are actually slightly different, but 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 it comes from that sort of you know uh, you know enemies on the left and sellouts and things like that. Anyway, that's one side. Some of the gestures of Syriza, you know, and they are gestural, and I think you know that 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 is something to 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 to. To, to be conscious of, to be cognizant of, because gestural politics are actually not terribly good uh, in in terms of uh, uh, you know long term long term change, but you know the, the actions around uh, uh, citizenship status of migrants, uh, some gestures towards disarming the police, although uh, Tsipras has been rather hesitant about the actual abolition of things like um, the Delta, uh, really hated motorcycle. Mm. Uh, riot cops in, in certainly deeply hated in Athens. Um, I mean, they've only been around since 2008, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're I mean, called they're, an they're, anti-insurrectionary yeah, unit. Yeah, Their yeah, role yeah. is I mean, pretty specific. But, but you know, but certainly some 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 decent steps that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, these these things, these symbolic things, are important. Nonetheless, of course, uh, you know, the appointment of um, of Kamenos uh, 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 to to uh, to the Ministry of Defence is not is is a, is a symbol in the other direction. So, mm-hmm. so, so this play of symbols is not terribly useful. Um, one of the things uh, you know people say about you know Syriza is this this notion that they they should they are or should be like or will be like Allende. Mm. It's in fact not a very good. Uh, way of thinking about things. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I'm far more interested in in you know. In, so in two things, okay. So the the coordinates for for Syriza's successful failure are these: um, how it interacts with the ECB, uh, how it interacts with its creditors, um, European Central Bank for listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and certainly the way in which it can do that is is partly going to be determined um, by how absolutely unhinged the ECB is. Um, and so that's sort of out of their control. I mean, I, mean, I, I my suspicion is that, that uh, Varoufakis, for instance, Yanis Varoufakis, who's the Greek finance minister, who has been on a sort of uh, whirlwind tour of, of Europe, um, uh, I think he's perhaps a little too optimistic about you know, what Syriza can do here. Um, there's also some, some lack of clarity about you know, exactly what Syriza want. Um, you know, whether, you know, historically it has been cancellation of the debt and then it's been, you know, cancel half the debt or some of the bad debt, whether there would be a sort of democratic audit within Greece of the debt. And that's something um, that I think is actually quite interesting in terms of mapping Mm. how Syriza has changed over the course of the past four four years or so. Um, And and what I mean by that is uh, there has been certainly some... And I guess so. This brings us on to the second coordinate of how uh, of how to judge Syriza's sort of success or failure, uh, what it can do or what is what is open to it, which is how it deals with the social crisis within Greece. Um, and one of the things I suppose, and, and that we can come back to, is is whether you know there's been sort of some talk about whether Syriza's uh, 
electoral success is a success or a transformation of the social movements that have existed within Greece after after the crisis. Mm. Uh, to my mind, Syriza's you know Syriza's victory here is partly a sign of the weakness of the social movements right uh you know and this is this is not an unusual pattern it's a pattern that's observable uh, in the wake of crises which is that social movements um large social movements are, are dependent uh on their ability to sustain themselves which means that you know they tend to be relatively short-lived responses to crises mm. um you know, there, there really is, I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, the, the sort of social struggles within Greece after the crisis, they have, they have died down um, quite significantly since, um, you know, in, in the last couple of years, since 2012, since the elections in 2012, certainly. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is, is simply that the conditions are, are you know, the, <laughs> is that they were losing. Um, so, so you know, I, I, we can come back to that, but I think I think that's the other coordinate we have to have, have in mind here: Syriza's relationship to social movements within Greece and how it intends to deal with the social crisis there. Um, you know, it, it, you know, it's uh, these two things will determine how how how, how we can judge Syriza's success. And and to my mind, they they are open questions. Yeah. Uh, there is, you know, I, I I would I would I would far sooner be doing this show in six months or a year's time because it, it gives us it gives us much more to go on. Mm. Um, it, it, what is not clear to me is is exactly what people are expecting Syriza to do. Uh, you know, because it, it, it's I mean it's a question of political priorities, isn't it? You know, the the priority here is kind of, is is dealing with the memoranda, which are the uh, austerity agreements, essentially the imposed austerity agreements on behalf of the troika. Um, and as that appears to be the the, the first priority of Syriza, mm. um, the questions about how you deal with the social crisis, in particular, um, you know, the the changes in how Syriza has said it's going to deal with the social crisis, how it's going to deal, um, particularly with the relationship between Greece's uh, fiscal position. Uh, and the social crisis have changed quite significantly, actually. And, and you know, I, I, there has been certainly historically within Syriza's platform a, um, uh, an argument that there should be a democratic and participatory audit of Greece's debt, which allows uh, social transformation within Greece as well as um, a way of dealing with. Uh, the, the lending which has brought it to this point. And the reason that is important is that, that one of the things that, that is not necessarily well understood about uh, about the bedrock of Greek civil society is networks of pa- patronage and um, well, corruption and bribery are, are so strong within Greece. I mean, they, they, they form largely the, the apparatus of PASOK and um, New Democracy, these uh, networks which then articulated in political form. And in order to... to to deal with those things, to change them profoundly and change them in such a way that that the changes last, then uh, opening up to sunlight and fresh air um, these deals which have been you know, secret or, or or not subject to any kind of public scrutiny um, is going to be essential. And yet they, this seems to be disappearing or, or sort of falling by the wayside in terms of the way that Syriza is going to deal with mm. uh, with uh, with the memoranda as imposed by by the troika. Mm. I suppose. Well, first point. I mean, you're saying that it'd be good if it was six months or a year before we reflected on this. Absolutely right. 
But I suppose given that Syriza is now performing a particular function for much of the European left, it's important to address it sooner mm, rather than later. Yeah. More, more for that, actually, than substantively trying to analyse what they have done hitherto, which is actually, yeah, very little. Um, I think the first real major outcome, significant outcome, is going to be obviously what happens with the... You know, after February 28th, we find out if the ECB and the Troika are, you know, still play ball with regards to ensuring that uh, Greek Greek public expenditure remains liquid, that they have money. And that that mm-hmm. may not be the case after February 28th. Um, first point, and it was a point that a lot of people touched upon, this alliance with ANEL, which is not, according to people that I've spoken to in Greece, it's not an equivalent of UKIP. Um, it, is certainly, it is certainly to the right, it's certainly to the right of PASOK. Um, and it's but you know, but then there are elements of new democracy which are more concerning from a sort of authoritarian or fascist point of view than Anno, certainly. That's what I'm I'm told by people I trust. What I think it betokens, this coalition between Anel and Syriza, is, you know, we talk about it so often and now, you know, hey, everybody's talking about it, is this collapse the centre. So you have a party that's fractured from the right aligned with a party that's fractured from the left. And you see that not just in Europe, but actually if you look in the United States. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of policies which Rand Paul and Liz Warren agree on, right? A surprising number of policies. It's different. I mean, hmm. Well, I don't think so, because I think, you know, if, there's a lot of policies that we need to agree on. And just as much as there is a consensus within what people talk about when it's about, you know, Republicans and Democrats, you know, so the real fundamentals of the economy, right, that the Federal Reserve should remain absolutely absolutely untouched. For instance, Liz Warren advocates 0% interest loans for um, college loans, right? Mm. That's something that I th- there, could be, there could be a lot of, uh, of agreement between the right and the left. What I, do, what I do think is that, look, it couldn't happen in the UK. It could not happen in the UK. But I do think we will increasingly see um, these kinds of alignments, actually especially in Europe, because the heterodox right and the heterodox left you know, in a lot of countries, both hate the European Union. They both, you know, this is a really, I think this is the first example of what's going to be increasingly normal, which will be fractures of the right coming together with fractures of the left. People might not like it. You know, again, it's about empiricism. We've now got an example in Greece. You know, I think in a show a year ago, I said, you'll see lots lots of at least intellectual agreement between the heterodox right and the heterodox left. And actually, we're seeing in, in the form of a government in Greece. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's, maybe that'll be well, the, out- I mean, the, the, maybe that'll be the outlier. Mm. I think it's the first of, a, you know, a lot of, other things to come. Personally, that's my that's my uh, opinion. So that that, that alliance is, is there. So Varoufakis, you know, he was asked by Paul Mason in the run up to the election, what three things can you can Syriza address in the short term? And yeah, the other things you point out, James, the humanitarian crisis, which he talks about, to reform the triangle of sin, which includes corrupt procurement, bankrupt bankers, and mass media. Lots of alliteration there. And then the third one, the renegotiation of this debt agreement with the Troika. Um, and yeah, over the course of the last week, he's rechanged really his tune because their big pitch during the election was haircuts. They wanted, you know, this debt, which is a huge debt. It's 170%. 177% of Greek GDP is now, you know, it's debt. It's a huge, huge, huge debt. It's not going to go down. You know, if this debt is not renegotiated, you know, it's consigning Greece, I mean, to perpetual austerity, perpetual depression, economic depression, really. There has to be, you know, there are two solutions here, which is either, I think Varoufakis is basically, in, in changing his mind, he's outlined two of them. One would be a haircut. And then more recently, he's saying that they could um, change these, you know, the current debts over to a, a set of instruments. One would be a bond that would be indexed to GDP growth. Um, 
uh, you know, uh, he, he, he constantly refers to the 1953 uh, London mm. conference, which was a conference on the renegotiation of Germany's external debt. Uh, bear in mind the sort of the Wirtschaft and the, the kind of the miracle, the economic miracle of Germany only really allegedly kicks off in 54. And so there's a big school of thought that says actually this, this renegotiation on Germany's debt in 53 was a major, major part of that uh, revivifying of the German economy in the, the post-war context. And a very similar thing happened there, right? So in 53, Germany, I think they basically got rid of half of Germany's debt and the other half was renegotiated so it would be, you know, uh, lower interest rates over a longer duration. Um, I think, you know, I think Varoufakis thought something along those lines would be plausible for Greece. Um, not only because it made economic sense, but also I think he has asserted that historical argument in the hope that that will resonate, uh, especially with the German taxpayer, right? Because that's one thing, you know, if, if Syriza is going to do anything, if it's going to have any, any notable consequences on European politics at all, one would hope... And it's already happened in the last week, actually. I mean, I've already noticed three or four pieces in the English-speaking media about German debt forgiveness in the mid-50s. And I actually, it's an incredibly common thing that German, um, Greece is asking for, historically. This is not an outrageous thing to be asking for. So that's one, that's one issue I think Varoufakis has certainly raised. Um, two more things. I really want to talk about this relationship between corruption and growth because, of course, I really, th I really think, you know, again, if you look at this empirically, this is such an ideological claim that corrupt economies... You know, see that growth suffer because if you look at the two fastest growing large economies in the world China and India these are without doubt two of the most corrupt economies on the face of the earth absolutely and if you look at the two fastest growing economies in Europe between 1945 and 1973 one and two Greece and Italy right now these were really corrupt economies then they're corrupt economies now they were growing then they're not growing now so the idea that corruption correlates to low growth I actually, you know, I just, I think this is a massively ideological claim. You know, if we get rid of corruption, then they'll have growth. I think this is a really neoliberal claim because, uh, you know, empirically, there's not much evidence of that actually. High, you know, very corrupt regimes have both, you know, instances of low and high economic growth. I don't think there's much in that. And then the final point, and I think this is the main point of interest to both yourself and, and I, but also I think to the listeners, is that relationship between Syriza and the social movements. Mm. So the first point is that. Since the crisis, and I, agree, I do agree with you that since 2012, there's clearly been an ebbing away in Greece of those social movements. Since the crisis, since 2008, it's clear that there's been a correlation between the two countries in Europe with the strongest social movements, anti-austerity social movements, have also had, hitherto, the strongest anti-austerity electoral formations. Now, that's incontestable. And that's why I think when people say, oh... You know, it's not a zero-sum game in the short term. In the long term, I think it is. It has to be because you haven't got all the energy in the world. But in the short term, you can have a very uh, incipient, insurgent anti-austerity street movement and electoral formation in one or two years. Those two things can definitely um, emerge um, in coincidence with one another. Then I agree with you. After a certain point, because, look, contentious politics, i.e. street protests and so on, social movements, it's hard. And it's hard yeah. for a number of reasons. It's hard because you, you know, they inherently have a kind of aversion to institutionalization, formalization. So that's one thing. They don't have informalized hierarchical leadership structures. They don't have paid memberships, etc., etc. in general. Some do. Social movement organizations do. But, you know, contentious episodes tend not to. And then, of course, there's the push of the state arrests, repression. You have to go and work. You have to eat. You live under capitalism. You have to mm -hmm. work to live and so on. So, Inevitably, a lot of that energy does go into electoral formations. I absolutely agree with you. Um, 
So then the question is, what kind of space can Syriza create for a social movement beyond it? So two quick points there. Last night was the first, incidentally, was the first protest in support of a government since the crisis happened in 2008. It was quite a large protest in Athens. Uh, and I'm not one of these people going, wow, isn't this amazing? Because I, you know, I hate authority. I have an absolute fear of government. Government absolutely is an accretion of illegitimate authority, right? Absolutely. But in, in the context of austerity, in the context of um, a certain process being imposed on the Greek people, I think that protest and support of the government is a good thing, right? That you can hold those two concepts in your head at the same time, I think. I can, anyway. So what kind of space can be created for a movement beyond Syriza? And, um, yeah, that question, I suppose. And also, there's this, uh, we'll, we'll try, I suppose, address this second point in the last half an hour of the show, because we're in the UK and we've got a UK yeah. audience primarily. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this whole thing about how could Syriza be replicated in the UK? So I suppose keep that to one side as well. And that's sure. definitely something we want to touch upon, right? Okay. I'm, I mean, there, there are a couple of things to, to talk about here. One is, um, in terms of, you know, uh, Syriza's relation to the social movements. Um, I, I mean, I think it's just incontestable that that uh, the social movements have ebbed away simply because of the factors that you outline. Um, that you know, and to say they've ebbed away does not mean they're they're not extant. They're there, uh, and they're, they're you know, and the situation is is so so unjust and so desperate um, that you see very strange sort of um, political choices emerging, what would be unexpected political choices, you know, in terms of people um, suspending a kind of hostility to to, to electoralism, um, which is not perhaps a useful term to use here. Um, It's interesting to look at at, at the choices of people who didn't. Um, So, for instance, Antarsia, um, which is... uh, uh, It's sort of... uh, a coalition of the radical left, um, a radical left platform, um, which includes some members of uh, the the Greek Socialist Workers Party, includes some libertarian communists. Um, uh, probably the, the the major source of uh, uh, their program in English would be uh, Panayotis Sotiris, uh, who is uh, quite you know is worth reading on this stuff. And you, you know, I mean, basically, one of their sticking points is, has been around precisely. Um, you know uh, the, the sort of expectations that Syriza has of uh, you know of, of Germany, but of, uh, of of the European powers in general about whether they are going, they have any intention of, of renegotiating uh, uh, favorably uh, the, the 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 Greek situation. And you know, I mean, in terms of of, of debt management. It, it is worth noting that, that Syriza is, and you mentioned that Varoufakis is frequently invoking uh, the 1953 uh, debt relief treaty. Uh, you know this post sort of London debt conference stuff. Uh, it, you know that this you know does betoken a, a sort of series of shifts in in Syriza's position. Uh, they're, they're not you know, and again, <laughs> there's there's often a sort of double or even triple level of language going on sometimes so it's quite hard to disentangle exactly to whom Varoufakis is speaking at any given at any given point um but but you know in, in terms of you look back at the the series of program of 2010 or 2011 um you know series of want direct borrowing from the ECB at, you know really really low interest rates um you know, and and whereas now you have sort of arguments in favour of quantitative easing, um, you know, largely by purchase of government bonds, which is now not going to happen. Um, uh, Syriza has, you know, 
often proposed a sort of this sort of deferred payment um, uh, of Greek debt until recovery, and so and 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 instigating a kind of growth clause, right? So so payment will only happen in, in under certain certain conditions. Um, you know, and, and so, but, but the current program, which is absent actually any of, any of these clauses, and certainly absent any expectation of, of an audit, um, which you know, and you know, some of the proposals that were essential to Syriza's platform in 2010, for instance, and I'm thinking now of their argument for, say, a Tobin tax. Uh, all of this stuff has sort of vanished in terms of their, their positioning over the over the course of the past three years, um, and and. The reason that this is, I think, important is to, is is that despite these, you know, relatively uh, uh, moderating gestures on the part of uh, of Syriza's leadership, very little, uh, very little sort of uh, efforts to meet them even halfway on in in terms of uh, uh, the European powers is is visible. And so, so the two things here is, you know, I guess the the choice that that has been presented to people on, on the left in Greece is, is either throw your lot in with, with Syriza who you know might think that they might have some ability to, to to provoke renegotiation on part of the European Central Bank but if they don't then Syriza will be a, a vehicle for staging a conflict between uh, democratic forces anti-austerity forces more generally mm. um, uh, uh, and you know of course there has been a shift in terms of what, what Tsipras proposed Proposed historically is that you know he said oh Syriza is is a force for for a a a, a government of all you know anti austerity uh, uh, movements on the left and of course that that hasn't quite worked out um, but 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 yeah I mean the, the the argument here is that if the ECB don't negotiate if the European powers don't negotiate then then Syriza will be a vehicle for uh, for that conf- com- confrontation between uh, a democratically elected anti austerity government between the the, the Sovereignty um, of, of a democratic system against sort of uh, supranational uh, or international uh, forces which are not accountable in the same way or, or have very little democratic oversight. And you know the, this, you know this confrontation, which I think is inevitable in one sense, and it's a confrontation that will happen in the next you know month, two months. It's going to have to because of you know in terms of Greece's access to, to liquidity. I mean, yeah, as, as as you pointed out. Uh, so so this, the stage is set more or less for that kind of confrontation, and you know, and, and it's hard to know how how it will go because in, in you know it, you know the ECB could could very very easily. Provoke a Greek exit from the euro, if, if you know, and and it seems to me that that's the way it, it's headed. And now, I'm you know, the, it's very easy. This is you know, very very, you know, this stuff can fluctuate very very quickly. But but you know, from everything that that was visible this morning, uh, you know, the outlook is is pretty grim in that sense. Now, whether it's whether that means it's grim in the long term is is less clear. Um, a Greek exit from the euro provokes not only not only sort of uh, 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 chaos from the perspective um, of financial markets, but it also provokes uh, presumably a huge political reaction across Europe and 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 further. So you know the, the, these things are uh, open. Yeah, I mean, you've got two alternatives here, right? You've got either 
Greece has given substantial haircuts on their debt. This, I think, what's mm. it, 317 billion euros over to the Troika, which is about 85% of the overall mm. total um, public debt of, G- uh, of Greece. So they could get haircuts on that. Now, what happens if they get haircuts on that? What if they had a, you know, some of that taken off, right? Well, okay, first of all, that would mean that bond interest rates go up for them. It would go up for all the other, you know, Eurozone debtors. Then, of course, Italy would want a similar deal. Portugal would want a similar deal. Ireland, France, Cyprus. So it's not, in that respect, it's not plausible to give them a haircut. It's just not plausible. But by the way, actually, the, 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 um, the EU's currently sort of giving a bit of debt forgiveness to Croatia mm. as part of it joining, um, you know, uh, eventually joining monetary union. I, I presume that's the ultimate ambition. You wouldn't be doing that sort of thing otherwise. Um, but they won't do it because precisely for that reason, right? And I agree with you. If, if Grexit happens, there are economic consequences and there are political consequences. Now, one imagines, given the kind of electoral formation Syriza is, the kinds of people it will know in Moscow, you'd imagine they're thinking two steps ahead with regards to at least February, right? Mm. That they would be able to get some kind of bridging loan in the short term from somebody. If it's not from the ECB and the Troika, it has to, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, if they're not thinking beyond that, then I'd be genuinely surprised, right? I'd imagine they're at least two steps ahead in that respect. So if, if they do, if, if, if Greece does leave the Euros, and well, what happens? I mean, the political consequences, I think, are absolutely dramatic. Now, if you look at the rise, okay, so it's very simple to look at the rise of the far right, particularly in mainland continental Europe, as a consequence of the 2008 crisis. But if you're smart about this, actually, you can see the rise of the far right before 2008. Look at France, for instance, La Pen. This happening before that. Actually, you can date its real emergence real emotion, let's say in the contemporary context, since the Eurozone. And what the Eurozone created with regards to Germany and the rest of it was essentially, it created a kind of, it's a kind of German imperium, right? And Germany becomes this big creditor nation, along with a couple of other countries like the Netherlands and so on, and the rest of them become debtor nations. And because German, German productivity and wages are so, they're so outstanding, nobody else in the Eurozone could compete. So what Monetary Union created was a kind of uh, a deindustrializing effect on Italy, on France. Now these are big, big countries. Italy's GDP, Italy's GDP, I think something like it's one point eight trillion dollars or something, right? But in, it's, in terms of its overall, in terms of the overall percentage of the economy, which is still given over to industrial production, manufacture, it's about the same size as Germany as an overall percentage of its economy, right? So it's still a, even now, Italy's still a heavily industrialized manufacturing country. France, in the last ten years, has gone through a process very similar to Britain in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties in terms of deindustrialization. That is because of monetary union. That is absolutely because of monetary union. And whether Le Pen does very well in the next French presidential election, or if it's in the 2020s or the 2030s, this system, the way it's working, will continue to deindustrialize France, will continue to deindustrialize Spain, Italy, the, all of these debtor countries, and it will enrich Germany and German capitalism. And so I think that bigger question is, if Greece, if Greece lives, leaves the Eurozone, those forces within France, within Italy, that recognise that. In Italy, it's the five-star movement. In France, it's the Front National. Will be dramatically, dramatically emboldened, I think. Dramatically. Um, and I think, you know, Owen, Owen, I think he's gone a bit far by comparing Angela Merkel to Hitler. But the kinds of consequences that could be affected by the behaviour of the ECB and particularly, yeah, the German administration right now, the kinds of consequences that are plausible are actually not a million miles away from the, the, the sorts of things we saw in the 1930s in terms of the emergence of far-right governments. And we're not talking just on the fringes here. We're not just talking Greece. We're talking 
Portugal, Spain, mm. Italy, France. These are big countries, and they are not immune from you know huge dramatic political changes. Were Greece leaving? In fact, I would give it you know I'd say it's probable in the short term. James, yeah, I mean, I th- maybe maybe one of the best ways to 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 reconceptualize this you know, for, for for ours is is to say that actually you know people talk about this in terms of of, of, of it being a Greek crisis. Mm. But it's not a Greek crisis. It, it's a crisis for the European project. Um, and, and, and that, I think, is, is, is quite important. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, so uh, <laughs> you have the forces of capital saying, OK, uh, we're going to use the sovereignty given to us by the European framework to continue to, to test and, you know... Uh, uh, the, the, you know austerity within Greece, right? This is you know, we're going to see if, if if we can make it work in this way. And you know, I mean, the, of course, you have uh, you know the experience of Cyprus uh, on the other hand, which is um, you know in terms of how the EU can enforce austerity. Um, it, it, you know, and there's there is no evidence, as far as I'm concerned, that that any of, of the hegemonic forces in Europe. Um, and in particular, the German government uh, have any desire to to change course, even in any minor way. But I mean, what's what's so crazy? Okay, I'm going to put it. I'm going to put it very simply, James. Right. Basically, what what the Germans are saying to the Greeks is the quote of this. Now, imagine the Greek economy is Lehman Brothers. Lehman Brothers crisis, October two thousand and eight. Right. Lehman Brothers. You've got three options with Lehman Brothers. First, you basically forgive some of their debts. Right. You change the interest rates on the debts they owe. Or you allow them to file for bankruptcy, right? Now, in the case of a private company like Lehman Brothers, you know, you go for third, third. It has to be one of these three things, right? And Lehman did the third thing. They filed for bankruptcy. Now, in the case of Greece, Merkel's going, no, we can't give any debt. No, we can't do anything with this. No, you can't go bankrupt. There is literally, you know, this is, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, wow. You know, I mean, people people talk the function of ideology. I mean, wow. You know, there's absolutely, you know, no, you have to cho- choose one of these three, three mm, things. Mm. One of those three things has to happen. To, that, those are the only three possibilities. Yeah? Greek debt, I think, well, since the crisis, since 08, has gone up from something like 90% of GDP to 170% of GDP. You know, the economy's uh, declined by 25%. Unemployment, youth unemployment's 50%. You know, it's going to be a depression for 50 You know, great quote by Varoufakis. People go on about, oh, God, we'll have another war like after the last depression. He said, maybe we won't. Maybe the tragedy of this, of this recession is that it, it will actually just go on for 50 years. Yeah, well, I mean that—that's the 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 point, isn't it? Like, I mean, it, the the point is that there's no need of a war because the war is already being fought. Yeah, uh, it's being fought in financial terms, and it's being fought in bureaucratic terms. It's being fought, you know, in the sort of lives of everyday people. Um, and and this, I you know, I, it, it it's easy to talk, you know, in in like these terms of grand politics here, but you know, I mean, the it, it struck me when reading. A friend of mine who is who is no longer in Athens, actually, but but uh, wrote very shortly after the the uh, the Syriza victory. Uh, you know, the, the the responsibility of Syriza is, is is not you know really to the economy. It's really not to the economy, but it's it's how it relates to to the social movements and 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 those who are still involved in them. Those who who are doing the everyday work of sort of providing food for people in 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 what is in many ways a kind of collapsed economy um you know and and you know <laughs> it, it, it's you know the, the, my fear and and the fear i think of 
of those of us who are the perpetual sort of cold water bucket over the excited hopes of British leftists and things like this mm. is that, that you have you know, as I think about something like Cyprus uh, and I, I think of what is already a very clear case of open blackmail coming from the EU, from the IMF, from, from the ECB. Um, I think of the, the clear dependency of Greece on European Union funding, uh, of the dependency on, of those kind of financial lifelines simply for, for even in the attenuated form that it currently exists, um, you know, the, the social structure of Greece to, to continue functioning. Um, that lifeline and you know that dependency um, means that, to my mind, the EU, the IMF, the ECB have the final hand, right? Like they have the, the it's them who have the real trump card. Um, so, to to me, the nightmare situation is you have a leftist government uh, losing uh, the the sort of. Uh, uh, showdown right uh and and uh necessarily therefore imposing some kind of austerity whether it's you know you know whether it's austerity light whether it's a sort of slightly diminished form of of, of what currently exists but but in some kind of you know uh uh, uh troika friendly structural adjustment program um inevitably this disappoints people right uh, as these things the Germans do. will let it happen that's the thing uh, I agree with you I mean, they were smart yeah but, but you know <laughs> they would say we'll let you make some concessions to your people but you have to do this these are our red lines but they're not even doing that but, but then you know but then, then what happens yeah I mean you know I, it, I, it seems to me that, that what is what is possible is you, you you know you have the failure of the showdown in terms of you know Syriza's sort of showdown with the central bank and then it has to choose whether to go back into that negotiation with a significantly weakened hand and therefore impose austerity and therefore disappoint uh, you know, its electors. And you, you have, therefore, the return of the kind of systemic patronage-based parties uh, and back to politics as usual, uh, possibly with a more aggressive and more authoritarian further to the right uh, than it even was historically, uh, and therefore the death of a leftist interval in Greece. Or you have uh, Greek exit. Uh, which, you know, I mean, <laughs> it seems strange to me that, that the ECB, EU and IMF seem to be conspiring towards a Greek exit, mm. but it looks to me like that, that's what they're doing. Mm. And that, to, to my mind, seems bad for international capital. It certainly seems, it doesn't seem brilliant for the Greek people, mm. um, although, you know, in, in terms of long-term strategy, it might be the only thing possible. Uh, but, you know, I, I both all of these options look bad. Mm. Um what concerns me is 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 perhaps an occasional lack of honesty about them from cheerleaders, certainly in uh, outside of Greece. I mean, with Syriza, the whole idea that they would okay, first of all, can Syriza a Syriza led government can it implement a nicer form of austerity? I don't. First of all, okay, so I don't think that would be allowed. Actually, like I say, I don't think the ECB, the Germans, I don't think the Troika will allow that to happen. There's already a leaked document, a memorandum coming out from Merkel mm. two days ago, and they say no, they have to bring the minimum wage back up. This is just um, this is unbelievable, really. So there's that. And also, where is this party coming from? Historically, you know, uh, Varoufakis, yeah, he seems very slick and some, but his dad was dragged as a child from his house. You know, this guy was a communist party member. And, um, you know, th- so that's the history they're coming from. So for them to align, again, you know, they're kind of this, uh, a strange sense of nationalism pervades the whole Syriza project, I mean, a post-war project. You know, they will not align with a German-led troika imposing austerity on that. I mean, I really... Maybe elements of Syriza will, but elements mm. of it won't. And that's where I think... Mm. That's another interesting element of what happens in, in Greece. 
I think in terms of two progressive outcomes for them, they're thinking one. Okay, so they're thinking that you'll get the rise of Podemos in Spain. And maybe when there's one, two, three governments, maybe if the left in Germany gets a bit stronger as well, they may, you know, the link is now in, uh, it's in a federal government, I think in, uh, is it Westphalia? Or Rhineland, somewhere like this, right? For the first time in, I think, since, yeah, the fall of the wall, right? Mm. So their hopes are that if you have Podemos, if the left does well in Ireland, although Sinn Féin's been helping uh, uh, um, implement austerity in Ireland, so it's questionable whether that's really a, uh, true with regards to Sinn Féin in Ireland. Um, you know, if things change in Spain, if you have a really odd political situation in the UK after the elections here in May, things could change. You know, the Spanish election, by the way, is in December. So that's what they're thinking, right? On the, on the level of, you know, you know, things could change elsewhere. Also, the European Parliament, right? We may see an alliance between the far left and the Greens in the European Parliament, which would be really ama- amazing. Um, it would be amazing in so much as it would change, dramatically change the composition of the European Parliament, right? Which does have some competences. It gets to select pretty, pretty eminent people within the Commission. So there's that. Or there's, I think this to me is the only actually, I think this is also the most progressive outcome is that, yeah, Grexit. They leave the Eurozone. They have to go toward industrial autarky, you know. And I think Tsipras said the day before the election, so all, all the scientists come back. We need you. And actually, you know what? They, they're going to need them because, you know, they would have to work. I mean, you know, how, maybe this is going to be how we, the first glimpses of moving to post carbon post-capitalist economies are going to start to look, certainly post-carbon economies. You can imagine it, the first instance of it being in an autarky. Because right now, it's not mm. happening in a globalised... I mean, it would be an awful standard of living for a good 10, 20 years. I'm not denying that. Um, but the fact that it would actually be a qualitative um, decline in living standards means that it's probably not implementable in liberal democracies and sort of integrated global economy. Maybe it would be in somewhere like Greece that you would see big shifts to the decarbonised economy and things. I don't know. But I think, I think that's... In the, I think in the next five, ten years, that to me is the most, and you know, if they're faced with 50, 60 years of economic depression, yeah, maybe five, ten years of, yeah, it would be grim, but that's a hell of a lot better, really. And I think, I think to a lot of Greeks, they're beginning to recognise that's the scale of the problem. It's not five, ten, fifteen years here. This is forever, you know, in terms mm. of this problem. It's not, it's not being addressed. So, so we've got, we've got just over 20 minutes left. We were just under 20 minutes left. You're listening to Navarra FM here on Residence 104.4 FM, London's number one radio station. I suppose we want to talk about consequences for Britain, right? Mm. Because there was this, what was this, what was the nom de plume of the person who wrote this? Uh, Alexander Trocchi. Alexander Trocchi. And you, uh, I thought it was very, very pithy little bit of comment you wrote on your summer. What's the, what's it called? Commonplaces? Yes. Yeah, I, I tweeted that. I'm sure James tweeted it as well. You can check that out. Um, and so maybe we could talk about that a little bit because it was like a, a sort of intelligent trot. It was clear trot, right? Um, yeah, somewhere between, somewhere on the borderline of Trotskyism and autonomism, you know? The, but it was like needless, needless kind of, I mean, it was some of it was good analysis, I thought, but then there was like really needless um, criticism of identity politics and so on, which I think, uh, it, you know, pe- whatever. people have their fetishes, you know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I would probably demur from some of the analyses and certainly certainly some of the conclusions ba- basically the, the, the argument of the piece is is, is to, to attempt to draw uh, analogies and distinctions between the situation of the left in Greece and the situation mm. of the left in Britain and what would be required for the emergence of a left populist movement uh, of, of electoral bent um, which you know, I mean, I, to my mind, there, there, are, there are a couple of things that, that and um, you know, I, I'm, there's probably you know, I, I you know, it, it, 
some of its arguments about, about unions and, and the way the Labour Party functions is perhaps not true. Um, anyway, it, it, it doesn't matter. What interests me is, 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 to, is to ask the question that, that, that it does, or maybe the useful thing is to, to impose on it the questions that we do, because I think some of its politics are you know, just, just, just wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, what, what, you know, it asks, but I think does not answer the question you know, by, by posing it this way. Um, the, the student and Occupy movements of 2010 and 11 threw up many activists and thinkers who could be the core of a Syriza or Podemos-style movement, but they remained horizontalists and no pole of attraction exists as per Syriza or Podemos. So the implicit argument here is that, that people, um, you know, who emerged from those movements um, are, remained horizontalists because of the absence of... of, of uh, an organization that could attract mm. them, right? Which is the way that Trotskyists tend to think about these things, right? Mm. If you're not in the party, it's because the party uh, it has not been prominent enough or hasn't been you know, mm. visible enough or whatever. Now, is it not possible that, you know, rather than, you know, there, there being an absence of an organization uh, such as you know, a pole of attraction, for instance, is it not possible that people have made the decision to remain horizontalist because of virtues within the position itself, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there seems to me a fudge throughout, throughout the argument of, of saying, you know, Syriza or Podemos are both horizontalist and vertical, uh, right? And, you know, perhaps, both, perhaps these are not good categories for analysis. I always remain open to that possibility. Mm. But it seems to me if you're going to proceed by those categories, then you can't really uh, suggest that, that, that the thing that it can be both things. And this is, you know, you know for instance, in Madrid at the moment, there, you know, I have a couple of friends who are in Madrid at the moment. And it is, I mean, it's always the, the, the risk about talking about things abroad because, um, you know, it's easy to to impose a spurious unity on mm-hmm. something that is in fact far more complex. Mm-hmm. You have on the one hand, you know, massive, massive rally um, in support of uh, Podemos recently, very, very recently, in the last few days. Um, on the other hand, you have the people who have made this sort of compromise that, 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 um, that, that people are pushing for, right? To, to, to suspend... Uh, a standard horizontalist critique of you know, a- electoral um, or you know, uh, party-ish formations, mm. and, and <coughs> because of the severity of the crisis, engage in what is a kind of pragmatism and say, you know, oh, okay, we're going to. You know. But actually, you know, there are a lot of misgivings in 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 the circles in Madrid, the Podemos circles, uh, about entering government, about taking part in a left-wing government, precisely for um, precisely for this reason, that people are cautious about having to engage in the kind of compromise that is historically expected of left governments, right? The kind of compromise that indeed PASOK made after its entry into government in 1981. It's important to remember, and I'm jumping forth, back and forth between Spain and Greece here, but it's, you know, the, the parallels are important. Um, PASOK in 1981 entered government as a, uh, you know, a left-wing organisation that, that wanted or promised uh, mutualization and common ownership of industry. It wanted exit from NATO. Uh, it was all about sort of demilitarization and various things like this. 
Now, of course, none of these things happened, and we have the sort of uh, decline and fall of Pasok. But, you know, I, one of the things that, that I think is telling here is that, the, you know, that that the argument for people to suspend their critiques is not an accurate reflection of what is happening in Madrid. You know, there is, is like really, really severe splits in the Podemos space about exactly the kind of strategy that's being taken by the leadership circle, by the sort of uh, uh, charismatic uh, uh, cult of Pablo Iglesias, mm-hmm. right? You know, you, you know, this face printed on um, uh, electoral ballots. Had better brand like recognition than Podemos. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not good politics, though, is it? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it even has brand but, in the world. But, the, 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 but, but it's also, but it's also, you know, this this the, the, this this line for, that comes from Iglesias. You know, now is not the time to unleash multiplicity desires or whatever it was. I recall, uh, I'll dig it out later. But the, the, you know, this is, you know, so so this, so on the one hand, there, there is a more complex, you know, thing than just making this narrative about uh, the 15M thing happened and then everyone joined Podemos and now they're going to mount an electoral mm-hmm. challenge, right? The, 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 it's, there's much more context than that. It is also, to my mind, obviously clearly spurious that... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, you know, identity politics doesn't exist in Greece. Right, which is the claim of this this piece. That a Syriza, that a Syriza is not possible uh, in Britain because of the lines in the sand drawn by identity politics. Um, and and so, so this is, you know, uh, again, uh, a danger, right? Which is to say that, like, look, a, a lot of the support from Syriza in terms of um, uh, LGBT activists... Uh, and, and which is obviously something that I know, you know more about than than than, <laughs> than than a lot of mm. other things, simply because these are the people I can contact with. Is to, is to do precisely with the treatment of, say, people with HIV or transgender people under, uh, you know, uh, under the last regime, right? So 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 you know, the, it is precisely because uh, people are attempting to defend, uh, you know, their, their their interests in that sense that the people have aligned to Syriza. So if you wanted to make that argument, you can make an argument out of the locus of social struggle, out of struggles around identity uh, for a broad you know, a coalition that will articulate things. I, you know, I, in, in Britain, you know, yes, sure, it's, it, it is a little different, but, um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a bad framework as far as I'm concerned. Let's move on from the specifics of this piece because there are two things um, that, that, that I mean I said about this, which I think are, uh, is the way to talk about this, actually. Um. <laughs> You know the, the 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 what is useful about this, or what is useful about Syriza, uh, in particular, is, is a, a stimulus to long-term strategic thinking. So, if I, I would say yes, replicating Syriza, bad question, mm. not the right question. Um, we have a you know a, a, a problem uh, in, in Britain, which is that social movements are weak. Um, you know the 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 Labour Party exists. Um, yeah, this is yeah. You look confused about something. No, I just oh, no, no. You you finish your point. Go on. Maybe okay. maybe we agree so, on some things. So, the, so, so social movements are weak. Mm. Uh, I think uh, in terms of their ability to express themselves, um, the Labour Party exists. That is a problem. Um, Not north of the border, it doesn't. Well, yeah, but um, which this piece doesn't address yeah. at all. But yeah, um, the question of mass organisation is 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 one that has been 
underexplored, mm. I think, um, partly because it's hard to answer. So, so what I would say is the question about mass organisation and the ability to participate in something which articulates mm. um, a politics, right? Which, by which I mean, you know, it's not just um, a forum for communication, but has, you know, a, an articulated and discursive politics, yeah? Mm. Um, so, so in practice, like, the, the, the difficulty here is not that, that you don't reach that by uh, simply increasing the members of existing organizations by, you know, 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000. Growth of that kind um, involves political change, actually. And, and, and that is a difficult question. And I said, uh, uh, you know, uh, I said um, uh, a couple of weeks ago that, it, it, you know, we do often underestimate how powerfully motivating you know, a sense of belonging to a movement can be. And it's, it's particularly true <laughs> when that movement actually seems to be moving. Uh, and, you know, of course, that sets you up for, for difficulty and disappointment. But, it, you know, it, it, it's one of the keys to Syriza's success, I think, mm. um, it, it is precisely that that, that that sensation existed. Um, obviously, to me, the, 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 the two issues here are, yes, that, that confrontation that Syriza will, inver- will have to stage with uh, you know, with, with the troika, with, uh, with 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 those institutions that have real power but no democratic oversight, essentially, i.e., the forces of capital, um, and whether it's enough to participate in that sense um, in the sphere of politics as it's con- currently conceived, right, which involves you know compromise and uh, and compromise inevitably towards uh, the centre. Uh, and whether it is actually sufficient to participate in those institutions in that way, that, to me, seems to be the key question. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, yeah, go on. I mean, the big thing about, you know, the social democratic compromise of the 20th century was contingent on loads of things. You know, I t- say it so many times, you know, uh, plentiful hydrocarbons, um, uh, urbanisation, industrialization. So, first of all, I don't think if there is to be that same tr- sort of compromise globally uh, or across Europe at least I don't think it can look like that again because you won't get compound growth mm. it will be within the context of declining living standards so it would have to be more authoritarian it would have to be less consent consent based there would be more coercion involved I think it will happen it could happen right I don't think it will but I think it could happen but it, it cannot be consensual last time it was consensual after the failure of uh, revolutionary politics in Germany and the, the uh, kind of the hegemony of social democratic leftist politics after Kautsky in Germany it was about rising wages rising living standards you know which was Historically contingent, I don't think that can be repeated. The th- the trocky piece. I mean, look, this guy is obviously not. I don't. It's got some. I'm not even going to talk about some of the more stupid elements of it, like the the identity politics stuff. I think, you know, I think it's all bound up. You know, the the, the big questions about oh, the rise of Syriza, can it be replicated? Clearly, the collapse of the political centre in Greece is being replicated. That's descriptively mm. happening, right? And then, so the question for this person, Nom de Plume, Alexander Trocky is could we then replicate Syriza as an electoral formation? And I would say, look, Syriza is, again, it's contextually specific. Why is it contextually specific? Two big things. The history of the left in Greece, right? Clearly, it's got a huge Greek Communist Party, you know, the partisans in the Second World War. And the electoral system is actually favourable to newcomers. So two big variables there, which they don't talk about. The UK hasn't got either of these things. Right, where it's got actually an electoral system which is amenable to newcomers, yeah, it's in Scotland, and yeah, there has been a newcomer, but that's not the case at Westminster elections. Now, if it was the case at Westminster elections, the Green Party in May would get 15 MPs, UKIP would probably get 100 MPs. Right? The point is, it isn't. The whole the whole point of the Westminster system is it's to keep those kinds of actors out, and the fact that 
Chucky neglects to even mention Westminster elections is telling. Now, what do the same dynamics in Britain as in Greece mean in Britain? I don't think they mean Syriza, right? I don't think it means we get Syriza. I think three things. It's leading inevitably to the disintegration of the unitary state and the union. I think that's the major thing. So whether or not we get an independent Scotland in the next 10, 20 years, clearly we're going to end up with a much more federalised system. Scottish MPs will not be voting, I think, on English issues within probably probably within a year, let alone five years. So that's the first one, the integration of the unitary state. I think high likelihood of EU exit, which is bound up with Britain's colonial history, right? So, you know, Greece has this history of the left that's informed what's politically happening there now. Britain has a big colonial history. Lots of Brits, they think that Britain still has great imperial power and that manifests itself very frequently in anti you know anti-european sentiment right i don't think being a member of the european union as is is a great thing but i think ukip's position and its popular base comes in terms of its working class popular base for you know exiting the european union not necessarily voting for it though but in a referendum exiting to leave comes from that right Uh, and then thirdly electoral form of some kind so I don't think we'll get sewers. I think the most progressive outcome we may get in the UK in the next year or two, maybe if in the May elections you get a Green Party, which has 60,000, 70,000 members, right? the way it's carrying on, uh, you know, a million plus votes in May. And may, like you say, it might, might not even get one MP, right? I think they probably will get one MP, but if they don't get any, they might not have any MPs, right? So you've got the Green Party there. You'll have the SNP, which may get 4%, with 50 MPs. And at no point can the establishment say that's fair. No, okay, the establishment can get away with that when it's just one organisation, right? But when you've got the Greens and UKIP, I think keeping the electoral system as it is will be very tough because first past the post doesn't work in a six-party system. I mean, it just literally doesn't work. You need to start having three, four-party coalitions. Um, so I think, you know, I would say, yes, yeah, Syriza will not be replicated over here. I think the big, the big political issues that the same crisis and the collapse the centre has all got over here instead are... End of the Union, I think exit of the European Union, and um, I think con- major constitutional reform with regards to the electoral system. That's it. Yeah. Rather than as soon as a star. That's not going to happen for me. Yeah, I mean, we've got a minute left, so I'm not going to respond. Two in, minutes, in, James, go in, on. In, in depth about that. I mean, but the point here is that, like, is that voting re- reform is a distraction. You know, I mean, I agree. Yes, uh, the average constituency hasn't changed hands uh, in terms of party allegiance since the 1960s. The safest seats haven't changed hands since the Victorian period. Um, now, to devote all our energies to changing that no, no, would, would, would be wrong, but but that will happen, right? I mean, if the Greens, so. you know, I mean, if St. Caroline loses her seat, then, and they have zero MPs in the next parliament, then you'll have this huge sort of uh, uh, party apparatus devoted exactly to that. That, so. is, that is a risk. Mm. That is a danger. The, the real key, it doesn't matter who, how, how that plays out in, in, in the election. Yeah. The real key here is, is to, to tackle what will happen, which is the, 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 uh, the, the end-loaded cuts and the austerity that will be presided over by inevitably by a minority Labour government, for instance. Uh, yeah. that's, that's key to the next parliament. I, I'll just quickly say, I think you're right. I think what's interesting is that if the Green Party do great, but only get one MP or no MPs, you may see a strange conflict between, you know, we don't want an anti-austerity movement, we want, a, we want a, an electoral reform movement. And actually, the real concern would be that for the first year or two, you could have another Tory government, right? And they could say, okay, let's have another referendum on proportional mm, representation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would completely, oh, that's a great point, that would completely disarm um, any anti-austerity movement, embryonic anti-austerity movement. James, that's mm-hmm. it, I guess. You've been wonderful as ever. This is Navarra FM, Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, see you same time, same place next week. Bye.